many of you know that you've got to walk through some things in order to be who God has called you to be? That you don't just become that person that you're called to be without a fight to become them. And that is what truly took me on a journey to become who God called me to be. And I am still fighting to become that person. And so I just want to encourage you today that no matter what God puts in your heart, no matter what you feel God is calling you to do, you can do it. Because he has placed everything inside of you that you need to be able to not only accomplish it, but to conquer it, to overcome it, to go far beyond what you ever thought you could ever accomplish and defeat the enemy in your life. And so how many of you were here at the women's uh, meetings this weekend? Did you get free of some stuff this weekend? Let's give God a praise right now. Let's just give him a praise for what he is doing in the women in this city. And you are a part of creating that change that's taking place all across the city. Pastor, thank you so much. Because, you know, Pat is in Georgia this weekend, and he is really jealous that he's not here with us to be a part of Calvary today, but he sends us love. And I just want you to know that you have two of the greatest pastors in the entire world. Pastor George and Phyllis have, they are two of our closest friends, but more than that, they are our spiritual parents, our mentors, and I've said it over and over. I've said it every time I've come here. I've said it everywhere I go when people ask me who my spiritual mom is and who has had the greatest impact in my life, and that is Phyllis Sawyer, because she has truly taught me how to contend, how to intercede, how to persevere, how to to go beyond, how to fight for your family, how to never give up, how to go beyond your wildest dreams. She has been that person in my life, and I just want to honor you both today. Thank you so much. But I want to talk to you today because, you know, there's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on across our nation. There's so much division. There's so much um, anxiety. There's so much everything going on across the world that this past year, many of you know that I struggled and I was diagnosed with leukemia. And I had the battle of my life this past year. You know, I've learned something very important that it is so easy to tell people to have faith. It is so easy to tell people how to have faith until you are the one needing to experience it. And you have to dig deep, not only to find your healing, but to find out just where you are in your relationship with God. Because truly where you're at in your relationship with God is going to determine how you get to the other side. It's not about just all of a sudden coming to this realization that God heals. It's about digging deep and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you more than anything in my entire life. But there has to come a place in your life where you become undone from the person that you used to be. 
where you become undone from everything, all the mental roadblocks that you've had, every mentality that you've ever had has got to become undone so that you can see him for who he really is. Because we develop so many mentalities in our mind of what this relationship with God should look like. But then when you're the one needing to experience the miracle, you might as well just throw all that out the window and start over and get on your knees and say, God, I don't want there to be anything left of me in order for you to live inside of me. Get rid of everything out of my life that stands in the way of me simply knowing you. And that's what I want to talk about today is being undone in God's presence. How many of you have some things in your life that you'd like to get undone from? Yeah, that's pretty much all of us. But you know what? We are facing some incredible things in our nation, some things that I truly am praying that will become undone. Some things in our nation that have taken place, that have, that have uh, just happened recently, I'm praying for things to become undone. Because all across the nation, Pat and I have been traveling, and as Pastor said, he is in Georgia this week and a part of this incredible revival that's taking place. You know, I love when people throw revival out because Calvary knows what revival is. But I hear a lot of churches talk about revival as if it's just something you schedule on a calendar. But revival is what actually messes up your calendar. That you have to throw out your schedule for the year when revival truly takes place. And I've seen it here. Pastor, you ruined us. Your pastor ruined Pat and I. Because you made us feel like what took place at Calvary was happening everywhere. That this was the normal. But we learned really quick when we got out on the evangelistic field that there's not a lot of Calvaries around the nation. That there's not a lot of churches that are experiencing what you experience on a weekly basis here at this church. And so what you and Pastor Phyllis taught us was is that it may not be everywhere we go, but we can bring it everywhere we go. That we can carry it with us everywhere we go. That the Spirit of God is not subjected to a location. It is what we carry in us and take with us. And when we invite the presence of God and when we are obedient and when we are open, Pat always says this, and it is so true. We are never, the service is never about us. We are simply stagehands for God to open up the curtain for his glory to fall. That is all we are. But you know, it's so many times around the nation, we get so caught up in, in everything and watching the news and watching all of the things that are taking place. Just recently, you know, we, we witnessed something take place in New York where a law came down legalizing full-term abortion. It's time for our nation to become undone. It's time for our nation to realize who the creator is. When our nation comes to a point where life is no longer valuable, where life is an issue of convenience 
over an issue of purpose, then we need to become undone. I became undone as I read and I watched that unfold in the news. And God began to deal with me because, see, we are living in a nation where perversion and sin is running rampant. That every decision is made out of a perverse mindset. But I'm reminded because Pat and I love to study revivals. Because if you want to know how to experience the presence of God, then study the ones who actually experienced it. See, I don't want to duplicate anything, but I want to glean everything I can from those who have experienced it. I want to learn from them. What did they eliminate in their life? See, so many times we want what I want to get what they had. No, I want to eliminate what they eliminated in order to see him. Are you ready for that today? Give God a praise this morning. See, I'm reminded in 1949 of the great Hebrides revival. Pat and I love to study revivals, and this is one of our absolute favorites. Because in 1949, in one of the, the Isle of Lewis, in the Scottish uh, coastline, there was a two little widow women. Just two little widow women. One of them was crippled, and one of them was blind. And they knew the perversion and the sin that was taking place across their their countryside. They knew that they needed to do something. So they decided that they were going to spend time in prayer, that they were going to start seeking God, that they were going to believe for God to come in and bring revival to their community. So there were many times where they would go into prayer in the the early evening and they would pray until 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. See, some of us aren't willing to contend. Some of us aren't willing to to keep going. We get tired. We get weary. We've got things to do. But these women went to prayer. And as they would begin to pray, there would be people from all over the community that would just begin to come and stand in the shadows outside their little cottage by the trees, just by the droves. And they would just begin to listen to these women pray because they were drawn by the presence of God. So they invited an evangelist to come and speak, to, to preach on revival. And his name was Duncan Campbell. And they began to pray Isaiah 44, 3. They simply prayed this prayer, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they began to pray that prayer over their community. And they invited Duncan Campbell. And at first he declined But then as he was preaching at a church in London, God convicted him so strongly that he left the meeting and he went and he got on a boat and he headed to the little island. And when he got to the island, they took him to a church to have a prayer meeting. And as they were there, they prayed for over two hours and nothing was happening. They could feel the presence of God, but nothing was happening. And so he decided to ask a man named John, who was a blacksmith, to just pray over the community. And they arrived and he looked over at the blacksmith and this is what the blacksmith prayed. He said, oh God, your honor is at stake. And I now challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do 
what you've promised you will do. So in other words, this man literally stood up and said, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Do what you said you would do. And revival broke out. And it lasted until 1952, where hundreds upon hundreds of people would come. And they would worship, and people were getting saved. The, the text says that the people would be in bars and in dance halls, and they would literally leave, and the, the music would stop, and they would drop to their knees in the middle of a dance hall and just start giving their life to Christ. See, I want to know right now, before we get into this word, I want to know if there's one bold person in this place. If there's one strong person in this place who doesn't care what anybody else thinks, and you will stand up right this moment and say, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Yes. 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 Lord, we praise you today. We pray right now that you will do what you said you will do. Lord, that lives will be changed today for your name's sake, that we will see revival in the land. Lord, I don't want to be out of place when I get to heaven. Lord, I don't want to be out of place when I get to heaven. I want to experience your presence now. See, as long as I can remember, there's been a cry that has been in my spirit that has said, don't let there be anything left of me so that you can fit inside and fill all the places inside me. See, I understand for God to use someone greatly that they need to have an encounter with a living God. See, I'm talking about a face-to-face encounter. Second Corinthians says, We who with unveiled, unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, I feel the cry echoed to John the Baptist and Mark that says, A voice calling in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. See, I want to talk about being undone. Do you want to be undone today? See, do you want to walk out of here changed, with your family changed, with your children changed? It can happen in an instant. See, I want you to look with me to Isaiah because today we're going to be talking about being undone. And I want you to look with me to Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with the two they were flying, and they were all calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I'm undone. 
That's what Isaiah was saying. He was saying, woe to me. I'm undone. There's nothing left of me. See, that word ruin, undone, is in the Hebrew, it's demont, and it means to be dumb or silent, to fail, to perish, to destroy, to cease, to be cut down, to be brought to silence, to be undone from the past. See, he was saying, your presence reduces me back down to what is really important because I can no longer live when I'm in your presence. See, you will never be so close to freedom as when you are nailed to a prison called the cross. See, I'm convinced today that we don't need just another little visitation from the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of going into churches and people saying, we're going to just make room for the Holy Spirit. No, I want a habitation of the Holy Spirit. I want to move in me with, move in with me God moment. I want to clean out a room in my house. And have it be the room for the Holy Spirit. Because I want to wake up in his presence. I want to go to sleep in his presence. I want to walk through the house and feel his breath upon my face. And I want to go to sleep knowing that I can rest in peace. Because this house belongs to God. See, I don't want a visitation. When we have visitors, we put on our best self. But when somebody lives with you, they see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they're not afraid to tell you, you need to straighten up. See, I'm ready for that. See, we all want to experience the power of God. We all want to experience the fire. But what we don't need in our churches is a feel-good, comforting fire that says, you're okay. A comforting fire that lulls us to sleep by a compromising gospel. What we need is an all-consuming fire. That if you get close to it, that everything in your life that doesn't belong there begins to melt away. And you are literally transformed in his presence. See, so often I feel out of place. Because this message isn't for everyone. This message is for everyone that could hear the shouts of the worshipers. They can hear the beating of the bass drum who watch the twirling of the banners and the jumping of the crowd all around them. But there's somewhere deep inside you that knows that if you could just stop everything, stand still, you would hear his voice speak to you. See, there's a moment where you just want to hear his voice. It's the Joshua 33 scripture. I love reading about Joshua because the Bible says in Joshua 33, 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. But then Moses, we returned to the camp, but his young aide Joshua would not leave the tent. See, we need some tent dwellers in here. We need some people who when the world turns away and goes back to the crowd, that we will stay in the presence of God, that we won't want to leave his presence, that nothing in the world can be so alluring to us that it would draw us away from the presence of God. See, what if today at some point that God entered this room and walked by you today? See, what if he walked by and touched you where you hurt the most? 
And he just said, let's go for a walk and let's develop this relationship. Let's develop this. Just come away and talk with me. Would you recognize his voice? See, what if today in the service that we weren't concerned about going after service to go out to eat or the anointed afternoon nap or or getting ready for work tomorrow or getting our children ready for school. But what if we ourselves would find a quiet place somewhere in our prayer closet and begin to cry out to God and just look up to heaven and say, here I am what now Jesus I'm right here see that's where Pat and I have been lately we're done with normal we want to see the supernatural take place not for the sake of just seeing miracles but for the sake of this generation taking Jesus off their little necklaces and putting back on the throne of their life because he is not your token he is not your mascot he is not Santa Claus or a Buddha belly that you can rub to get a gift he is the almighty all powerful God and he deserves your honor see we've seen services where lives have been changed, deaf ears have opened, spines have been healed, dementia has been healed, depression has been healed, where lives have been transformed. We were in, uh, Pat is in Georgia right now in Dawsonville, where they have seen over 3,000 people be baptized in the baptismal on Sunday nights. And they are going in, people are literally going in the water and coming up, being delivered from drug addiction and different things. Just recently, there was a young man who was battling with the spirit of homosexuality. And he went into the tank and he said, I want to be free. And he walked in, he got in the tank and he went down and he came back up and said, I'm not free yet. And they dunked him again and he came up and he's not free yet. And they dunked him one more time, three times down in the water. And he comes up shouting, saying, I am free. I am free. I am free. See, if you didn't come expecting miracles today, you came to the wrong place. Because, see, why do we act as if that is not normal? Why do we act as if we can't see miracles every single day of our life? See, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No one's ever seen or heard all that God has planned for us. See, because revival takes perseverance. Revival takes I'm not giving up attitude. It takes contending. But there are five steps to becoming undone. And the first one is your place of frustration. How many are frustrated today in this room? Frustrated with your current walk. Frustrated with your current situation. See, this message is for the frustrated. Because can I tell you, frustration and agitation is the mother of intercession. Ecclesiastes 7.3 says, Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. See, Isaiah was frustrated and desperate. He was running for his life. He was only about 26 years old in this scripture, and he was running for his life. He had nowhere to turn. His mentor, his friend, his king, his cousin had just died. And the worst part about it is the king had died because of his pride. But he was everything. He was Isaiah's protection. He was Isaiah's everything. He gave him what to say. He gave him what to do. He did everything. And Isaiah just repeated what he said to repeat. Isaiah had served the king. He reiterated what the king had said. He repeated what he had seen. And he was a scribe. He was the king's personal secretary. But the king had died. And now Isaiah was going to have to find God on his own. Now it was going to have to be personal. 
now he had to, to seek and to go further because I have learned that God will allow you to get frustrated when it's time for you to change, when it's time for you to move on because Isaiah lost everything. He lost his friend. He lost his family member. He lost his home. He lost his, his uh, everything, his security, and all of those things. But the king, the, his cousin Uzziah, had just died. And it says in 1 Chronicles twenty six sixteen. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord and went into the temple to burn incense. But that was the priest's job. He had become arrogant and prideful. But Isaiah 6, 1 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that I lost my best friend, I saw the Lord. In the year that I lost my home, I saw the Lord. In the year that I lost my protection, in the year that I lost my security, in the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. In the year it wasn't about me anymore. In the year that I laid down self, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne and high and exalted and his train filled the temple. See, what is in your life that needs to die in order for you to see God? He was frustrated with his present spiritual walk. See, this past year, when Pat and I wrote Rebuilding the Altar, and when we walked through the diagnosis of leukemia, we got back to the altar See, writing a book about restoring the altar is going to unleash a war from the enemy. But when you understand what the altar is all about, it will ruin you. It will undo you. It will bring you to a place of understanding who God is. And it was in that understanding as we begin to lay our life on the altar. In Psalm 5, it says, every morning you'll hear me at it again. Every morning I'll lay the pieces of my life on your altar and I'll wait for the fire to descend. That's where your healing is found. That's where my healing came from. And God healed me of leukemia, not because I'm anything special, not because I'm anything great, not because there's anything in me that is good. He healed me because I applied the truth of who he is to my life so that he could be lifted up in a world that needs to know him. So your frustration will lead you to desperation. Psalm 34 says, when I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. He sent his angels to circle, put a circle of protection around us while we pray. See, your desperation will lead to revelation. My desperation last year led me to revelation. My desperation when my son was being wheeled in for spinal reconstructive surgery led me back to the place of revelation. My experience when my son was in high school and he was being led astray and I had to fight with my husband for his salvation in high school, that's when you get revelation of who God is. And now Nate is leading a revolution of young people into the presence of God in California because when the revelation comes, there's transformation. See, we're living in desperate times when nations are rising against nations, tsunamis, earthquakes, all these things, the divorce and suicide is an all-time high. When our nation's in a political crisis, can I tell you it's not about a donkey or an elephant, it's about a lamb? 
it's not about what party you serve because I don't serve a party. I serve a king. I don't care who's in the White House, but I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for them regardless of whether I agree with them or I don't. See, Pat and I are going to the White House in two weeks. And we're going to be there for the President's National Prayer Breakfast. And we're believing that an opportunity is going to come where we can put an altar in the White House. Because we are believing it doesn't matter about the man. It doesn't matter about any of those things. It matters that a nation is crying out. And they are praying for a nation to be awakened to the power in the presence of God. See, in in a time where the grace messages teach us, do what you want. They teach us whatever makes you feel good. We don't want to offend your flesh. We want you to leave feeling good about yourself. But can I tell you what true grace is? Grace gives us power. Titus 2 tells us, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. That's what true grace is. It's the power. So anytime you see the word grace in the Bible, you can replace it with power. He gives us power to resist the enemy. Power to resist the temptations. Power to resist the things that used to hold us back. See, the true definition of grace is that God accepts me just as I am. But he loves me too much to leave me that way. See, it's time for us to be tired of the Christian celebrities because God's using the nobodies. The true newspaper press coverage of the called should always be an obituary of self and the birth announcement of spirit revival. See, God loves desperate people. Psalm 31 says, desperate I throw myself on you. You are my God. See, anyone can dance and be moved in a great worship service. Anyone can get up and and feel the emotions and the goosebumps in a worship service. But what is left behind in your life that proves that you have been with God? When you walk out the door, do you take the presence with you? See, because your desperation will lead you to confrontation in your life. Because Isaiah was all alone. There was no one to see him get to enter into the presence of God. You hear what I'm saying? Nobody got to witness him down at the altar. There was not a selfie moment for him to make a big deal about it. It was just him and God. And in that moment, he was transformed. It was the perfect recipe for a supernatural encounter. Because we have to speak up in a nation where people want us to preach with a feather and not a sword, just to tickle their ears a little bit so they can feel good. We have to speak truth. Dare we say to our children that our nation was destroyed because we who had a voice decided that the price was speak was more costly than their freedom? See, Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe to me, I cried. I am undone in your presence. He said, woe is me, not everybody else. It's not everybody else's fault. It's not mom and dad's fault for when I was growing up. It's not what they did to me back there at 13. It's not what the job did to me. It's not to what this person did to me. Woe is me. I'm responsible. Change me. I have no mask or facade to hide behind. 
See, don't complain about what you're not willing to confront in your life. Because God wants to change you. Jeremiah 31 says, after those years of running loose, I repented. See, some of you can't let go of your past in order to see your future. See, you need to get rid of the crutches that have held you as a victim and pick up the wings that God has for you. See, you can't be undone without confronting where you have been. See, I have to stop right here because Isaiah said, woe is me. Because I began to realize, he began to realize how dirty he was. What are you refusing to confront in your life? Are you refusing to confront the secret sin? That one area of your computer that no one else is allowed to look at? Or the the thoughts that you have in your head or the activities that you're involved in that nobody knows about? See, you need to confront in order to be transformed. See, Job 30, 27 says, The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. But look what Jesus says about confronting. In Luke 12, it says, Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and to confront. See, your frustration and desperation and confrontation will lead you to revelation. There's a moment in every person's life where you've got to become the one who is experiencing the revelation. You can't live off grandma's salvation forever. You can't live off mom and daddy's relationship with God forever. There comes a moment where you are the one who is experiencing the God encounter. But see, you can't live in that place of waiting for everyone else. See, Isaiah was no longer looking and talking the part. He was experiencing God. See, I want to live the God experience. I don't want to hear about this revival and that revival and have to go all the way here or go all the way there to experience it. I want to wake up in a state of revival every single day where I say, God, I feel your presence. I hear your voice and I am acting upon it. And I say, here I am. See, that place where you encounter him is the place where you receive his love. Look at Romans 8.38 because it tells us, it says nothing can separate us from his love because the Father's love is calling. In 1 John 3, it says, how great is the Father's love that he has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. See, somewhere along the line, Isaiah became undone. See, I think we read that scripture sometimes and we think Isaiah was this powerful person. He just went into a cave and he just lifted up his hands in the presence of God and said, here I am, send me. But that's not what it happened. He ran into the cave scared and afraid and running for his life. He was looking for somewhere to hide. He was looking for somewhere to go and to just crawl up so nobody would kill him. He was looking for a place to get away. But when he entered into his cave, he experienced the the love of the father. And the love of the father so consumed him that it changed him into the man that said, here I am. See, he would... That experience, it wasn't until Isaiah became undone that he received the revelation of who Jesus was. Because this man who was fearful and afraid ran into a cave, came out of the cave and wrote Isaiah 9, 6. 
They said, unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He would go on to write Isaiah 53, 7 that said he would be the lamb that would be led to the slaughter. He didn't know that when he went into the cave. He didn't know Jesus that way when he walked into the cave. It was in the cave that he received revelation of who Jesus was because that place of transformation is where God wants to take you. He's been waiting for this moment to happen. See, the altar is the place where what you have been gets interrupted by who you can become. The altar is the place that changes everything. See, I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy and put him back in the unholy world and keep him holy in it. See, that's where I want to live. See, he didn't fit in. Isaiah didn't fit in with the the room. I love that because, see, God doesn't use the ones that everyone else thinks that he would use. He chose the wild-haired, crazy prophet. See, we wouldn't think God would use a stripper off the streets. We don't think that God would use a drug addict out of Teen Challenge. We don't think that God would use a homeless person or an abandoned orphan. But all through the Bible, those are the exact people that God used. He took the ones that everyone else discounted. And he made history with them. See, I want to experience that. See, for much of my walk, I have felt out of place, but right in place where I was supposed to be. See, I don't fit in with the typical mold of the pastor's wife with the natural giftings and being able to sing or play the piano. Trust me, you don't want that. But what I do have is a desire for the presence of God and a desire to lead other people to experience it as well. See, it's at that place where we desire to see God more than people, platform, or plaudits that we become plaintiffs in the courts of heaven and not defendants to the inner circle of the religious. See, that's why I love studying Isaiah so much. Because when God's presence came in, he revealed how dirty Isaiah was. And it forced him to declare, undo me, God. Start me over. Take me back. Hit the reset button on my life. Redeem me. Clean me. Make me whole again. It made him realize I have become everything and anything except what God wants me to be. See, my favorite part of this scripture is not that I is that Isaiah did not respond to the room. He didn't respond to the just the right chord being hit in the worship song. He didn't respond to the angels crying holy. He didn't respond to the threshold shaking and the thunderous sound of the the angels roaring holy, holy, holy. He didn't respond to the train that filled the temple proving that God had conquered every other kingdom. What he responded to was the holy presence of God. He responded to God. And when he did, he said, my eyes have seen the king of glory. See, I love that he only responded to God. It was the recipe for breakthrough. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. 
See, he's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. Dare we wait? See, this is the moment where your hurt, your pain, your doubt, your anger, your issue gets interrupted by a wounded Savior who knows where you've been. See, every great revival starts when people decide to run into a cave and they find Jesus. See, I want to share with you, would you bear with me for just a moment? If you'll stand with me. I want to share with you a video really quick of a great man of God that is a mentor and one of our spiritual fathers in our life, in Pat and I's life. And I want you to hear him as he ushers in the presence of God. Watch this video with me. When you get it, whatever you do, don't let go. Before revival broke out, friend, in this church, there was times I came down to this church and I would lay on the front row, 
something deep inside of me was calling out to the deep of God. And I said, Lord, there's got to be more. I would walk these floors and I would cry out loud. I knew nobody was around and I knew nobody could hear. And I lift my voice sometimes till I would be hoarse and I'd say, God. quiet in a fetal position on that front row and then I would hear the Lord say keep going after me son you'll find me is normal. I'm not satisfied to see people come in and leave the exact same way that they came in. I'm not satisfied for someone who has cancer to walk out with the cancer they came in with. If you want more, then get out of your seat right now and get to this altar. See, when Isaiah went into that cave, he didn't have anyone begging or prompting him. He didn't have anyone saying, let me give you three steps. He simply said, I'm ruined. I'm undone in your presence. See, God wants to unwrap you today. He wants to take you like someone who's in their grave clothes. And he wants to begin to unwrap you just like he did Lazarus and say, remove the grave clothes. He wants to set you free today. He wants to make you new today. Begin to lift your voices right now and begin to cry out to him. Begin to cry out with a holy reverence to your father. 
See, because what Isaiah experienced that day in the cave was not anything other than an experience with seeing the face of his father. And there's some of you in here who may look at God the way you look at your earthly father. Maybe you think God is disappointed in you. Maybe you think there's anger. Maybe you think that there's unapproachability, that he would not welcome you. Can I ask you today to take another look that the Father loves you and welcomes you into his presence? If you're in this room and you say, God, I need to be unwrapped. I need to know you. I need to repent. I need to confront some things in my life that I've not confronted in a long time. I need to confront some secret sin in my life. I need to get rid of some things so that you can live inside of me, so that I can see the more that you have for me. And if you're in this room and you say, I'm that person, I need to confront some things, I've got some sin in my life, then lift your hand right now and begin to ask God to forgive you, repent and ask him into your heart right now. In Jesus' name. Everyone repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I repent. I confront the lies of the enemy and the things that have held me back. I give them to you. Undo me, Lord. Ruin me in your presence and make me a new creature. I surrender. Here I am. Now what, Father? Begin to cry out right now. Just begin to lift your voices. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to praise him right now. Because I'm asking you this morning to go into your camp, your go into your cave this morning. Because your cave, just like Isaiah, will become your launching pad to your destiny. Do you want to see revival in Decatur and in the surrounding areas? Do you want to see revival take place in your home? Do you want to see revival take place in your family? Then it begins with you becoming undone to become all that he has created you to be. Lift your voices. Lift your voices.